You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Waste Disposal Center 3 on the original Death Star. All right. Vocal fam. Vocal fam, here we are. It's Friday. Thank goodness. Yay. Friday. Yay, Friday. 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 It's been it's been a it's it's been a tiring week yeah, though, right? Tiring I'm week. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's Sarah's sleepy. She's been she's been hugging her couch. Apparently. I have. I'm on. I just it beckoned to me this morning, and I'm on a cup of coffee number. I don't want to report how many. See, now you have to though, because I'm curious to know like how many is the point where you're ashamed, too ashamed to say. Uh, it's it actually. I'll be honest. Since I'm not teaching at all today um it's not that many i think this is only cup well i drink from like a 16 ounce mug at home and i had two of those which is pretty typical and this is this is only cup number one here at the office like there was a day this week that i'm gonna say by this point in the day i was on cup number five or six oh my gosh how are you like functioning uh I would have been ill. Well, it's it's. I'm an interesting person in the morning because remember, I don't have any caloric intake, oh. and uh, so. Uh, but let's just say that uh, I don't know. Probably my 10:30 lesson was interesting that oh, day. I'm, I don't know. I'm sure it was. Maybe that's my mistake. Because first off, I drink half calf coffee, so it's not even like when I drink a cup, I'm getting the full wham impact of a cup of coffee. Yeah. And then I've only had one cup of half calf coffee today, so maybe that's my mistake. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, good vocal fry moment this oh. week. In a lesson, X student says to Perna, but I thought you weren't supposed to drink coffee before you sang. <laughs> and I said, and who told you that? Well, you know, those people, what people? who are not you. I had, oh, there's Aria. I had a student tell me that they couldn't, I think it was eat potato chips before they sang. And I was like, oh okay, my, that's very specific, but to- well, okay. Vocal fam. Can we cover this for a second? This was not the topic I wanted to actually get and to yet, today, but, but this are. is, and yet here we are. A number of years ago, there was an episode we did called the proverbial they, which I still think is an important, uh, episode that True. we did, uh, where we sort of rehashed the idea that, Singers will randomly hear one random idea from one random person who may not be an authority on that topic, and they will believe oh, yeah. that that thing is the law of mankind. Oh, yeah. Just human. You can't possibly drink milk and then sing or eat. Or some people, you hear it both ways. You either hear that there's no way you can eat and then sing, or there's no way you cannot eat and then sing. Right. So it varies. Um, and of course, what the information supports is that everyone's body chemistry is different. Yeah. Uh, there are more common stomach irritants. Yes. Red sauces, things of this nature. Um, yeasty products tend to often be like a, something like beer or, mm. or uh, bread sometimes for some people. Uh, some people have trouble with the acidity of coffee. It is it's 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 it is true that some thing. people 
don't like to drink coffee before they sing because of the well, acid. Well, like, there are facts, like, coffee has caffeine. Caffeine can dehydrate you. So, yeah, like... Correct. If, if, I mean... That, that could be an issue if you're literally just drinking coffee and you never pick up a cup of water, but then you're, you've got issues just because you're a human and you need water to, like, live. Right. But can we, can we cover this for a second, though? Because what the student said to me was, if you drink coffee before you sing, it will damage your voice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mechanics of the larynx. At the top of the larynx sits your hyoid bone, and sort of immediately behind it is a, how would we describe it? A long, flat spoon-shaped thing that is called your epiglottis, okay? okay? If you look up epiglottis and larynx model, you'll see this for yourself. Or open up Visible Body, the the great at body atlas map oh, that we the all have. Oh, behind you, does, it doesn't have it, does it? Yes, but they can't see a video. Oh! Yes, it has an epiglottis. There's an epiglottis on this larynx. Okay, I don't know. Oh, I see it now. Okay. I couldn't see it from where I was sitting. That's me slapping the epiglottis against the hyoid bone. This is how tired I am. I literally was like, what are you talking about? Don't do what I just... (laughs) Don't do what I just did in real life. Don't take your epiglottis. They don't know what you're doing. And slam... I know. They can hear it on the mic. That's That's true. Better than me thinking... For a minute there, I was just like... Uh, they can see it behind you. Duh. <laughs> no, this no, is, this is as Michael says, this is a radio show. Thank goodness. Uh, Thank um, goodness. World's not ready for uh, us in video. Uh, we don't need to be <laughs> vlogging. Can you imagine? Nope, can't. Um, but what was it, what I was going to say about that is, if assuming that you have normal epiglottic function and normal swallowing function of the larynx the epiglottis when you swallow and by the way if you just put your finger against your thyroid cartilage and swallow you're going to notice your larynx goes up that's part of the action of swallowing it's one of the reasons that classical singing teachers from forever have been talking about releasing the swallowing muscles uh or maybe disengaging the swallowing reflex might be another way to look at that but when you swallow and the larynx is in its motion with its musculature, part of the action is that the epiglottis goes back and covers your airway. So that's always important. So, and your vocal folds are immediately in the airway, right? Because we need air to go through our vocal folds. To make sound. Yes, okay, make right. Sound. But the epiglottis, when we're swallowing, including liquids is covering those vocal folds so that food and liquid go where? Your tongue. Down your your esophagus, right? And then you do have piriform sinuses that work as sort of gutters that will also funnel liquids and other mucus, et cetera, et cetera, Mm. down into your esophagus. The esophagus is where the junk goes because your stomach can then remove that junk. I mean, not that we're recommending like swallowing quarters or anything like that because no, that's don't, bad. Don't be an Aria. Not that she's eating don't. quarters, but she did eat a pen the other day. She's fine. I mean, I'm just going to assume that anything she ingested was small enough that it, that it has made it through her body system. She she appears to be in no pain. You heard her board. Let's team. Go with she's it. fine. But all that being said, don't be an Aria. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, when you take a sip of coffee, is it immediately damaging your vocal folds? Nah. It's not touching them. When you take a sip of water, is it immediately hydrating your vocal folds? Nah. 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 When you drink water three to four hours prior to a performance, are you helping your vocal folds be hydrated for that performance? It's more likely, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right, doesn't it depend what? kind of person to person just how long it well, takes? Well, yeah, the, the time. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Everybody's, again, everybody's system yeah. is unique. And, and, and that's just, that's what the science has backed up. The si- now, uh, I also went into this one other issue that I'll, I'll, I'll say with this same student in that moment was the idea of placebo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she brought up uh, essential oils. And up to this point, from everything I've read, uh, there's no empirical evidence that has proven the uh, benefit of homeopathy of any kind, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that runs from anything like multivitamins. Uh, and I'm not look, look, Vocal Fry is not telling you to take multivitamins or not to take multivitamins or to use essential oils or not to use essential oils. We're saying that. As I have read the science that I've seen so far, there is no evidence to suggest for a fact that these things give you a pro-voice benefit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what we're saying. Now, that is aside from the fact that, as we know, in so many controlled drug studies, the placebo always wins. The sugar pill wins... Because if, if the human brain is powerful, folks, if the brain... We, we were talking about this, actually, I feel like, with Kate Fraser-Neely. Were we not talking about Just placebo a little bit with her? So. And the idea that, that, um, that there, can actually, there is some evidence of, of the, uh, the idea of sort of that psychosomatic response. Yes, and, we did discuss that, that, yes. R- right. The brain is powerful. If we believe that something is going to help us, then whether it just puts us in the right headspace, yeah. you you might we, feel better, regardless of whether or not you are better. Well, you can convince yourself you're going to sing better. Yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I mean, look, you know, okay, vocal fam, go convince yourself you're going to sing better. Yeah. Let's think, like, if you if you have a routine that you're like, this is what I do to sing well, great. And it works. More power to you. And there's certainly nothing it. bad about drinking more water. I would say we're, we're huge no, of proponents not. of drinking water. Well, no, the evidence, the there is good evidence to support the idea of drinking water as your primary liquid as a human. There's, there's good evidence to suggest yes. that that is a pro-health benefit. Um, although the findings on coffee... Coffee studies are a bit like sleep studies uh, or overall nutrition studies where one will tell you the benefits of drinking coffee as some kind of antioxidant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And another will tell you about the dehydrating effects of caffeine and the acidity of coffee. For what it's worth, Vocal Fam, um, I don't know how up you are on your types of coffee and how maybe coffee snobbish you find yourself or not. Not at all. Uh, or, if you're, or if you're just drinking the office Folgers like I am at the moment because yep. it's the office Folgers and it's here. Um, 
and it's hot. And has caffeine. Um, that might be the key right there. If you are a singer, though, who believes that you are struggling with acid reflux and your doctor has told you that, that's that's fine. I'm not arguing with their medical diagnosis or anything like that. And we would encourage you to always seek uh, health, uh, health, health advice from a mm-hmm. certified, board-certified medical practitioner. Yep. But um, in terms of coffee, if you are worried about the acidity of coffee, there are different steps that you can take. Um, one of the biggest things is actually that a lot of people have moved to cold brew because cold brew pretty much removes all acidity from coffee. Um, so cold brew is a way, the way you drip the coffee can make a difference in the acidity. I did not know that. The way you, the way you grind beans can make a difference though in, in the acidity of the coffee. And I will tell you one of the biggest things for me is I have to go with an extremely dark roast. Mm. One of the things a lot of people don't realize is it's actually your more lighter roasts that often have uh, more higher levels of acidity. I honestly believe that because I will say I... Um to me, it's not so much a like, I drink it and I think, oh, this tastes acidic. It comes across as like a smoothness to me. And I've gotten to where I actually kind of do prefer the darker roast coffees just because in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a smoother, less bitter taste. And so I don't end up adding as much like creamer or sugar, which is good just because there's less sugar, you know? Well, sure. And there's good evidence about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, this is not a conversation about sugar. Um, I will say I drink my coffee black and, uh, I cannot do like the Ethiopian kind of blends and things that have very high levels of acidity Mm. that a lot of hipster sort of coffee brands are into right now. It's very popular. This idea of all, I hate it when I drink a cup of coffee and it tastes like it's got lemon juice in it. Mm. I'm like, I, and that's what some of these roasts and beans taste not like. fancy I, I just, enough I, I can't, to know I, I can't i will say like very rarely do i drink coffee and i'm like ah this this coffee is better like to me coffee is coffee and i'm gonna put a ton of sh- milk and sugar in it so it doesn't really matter right and probably chocolate like if i'm going somewhere and buying it but if you're being honest with if the vocal I'm being honest, i know y'all are all shocked at this right um no but there is no one, one is brand shocked. i've tried i feel like i've probably even mentioned it on here before that counterculture brand of coffee that is the only one that i'm like whoa i will go buy that because it tastes different because i i legitimately like i don't know i really like is that, that the one that's is that the one that's roasted in atlanta oh i have no idea if it's roasted in atlanta i there's a big roaster that's very popular right now uh, on Amazon uh, as sort of a designer coffee that uh, that is roasted in Atlanta, and I forget it might be that I forget what it no, is. No, it makes sense because I got all excited because it, this is the first like, okay, so in Jackson the only place I could get it was Fresh Market or the like coffee place that brewed it, um, but here I found it like in a Target in a Kroger, and I was like, oh my gosh, they have it. So look on the back the bag sometime and see yeah, where it's, I wonder see where where it's it is. I wonder if I could just Google it. Yeah, of course, Google will tell you anything. Someone asked me the other day, yesterday, uh, they asked me what the bookstore hours were here on campus. And I said, I don't know, but Google does. Exactly. Oh, um, <laughs> this is actually from North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, it's from the South then. And it does um, have but, some but locations no. in Atlanta, it said. So uh-huh, that explains that. Right. Well, well, there was a whole big thing about coffee. Do you know the? Do you know the? Uh, Can you tell we're tired? Do you know the um, the song uh, "Coffee in a Cardboard Cup"? No. Uh, well. Sorry. 
It's by uh, oh my gosh! Now now I'm going to show my tiredness. <laughs> who wrote Chicago? Who wrote Chicago? I don't know. Like the musical you team. You know that, who knows that, that too? Wrote though? Chicago, Steel Pier, uh, Cabaret, Candorneb. 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 Sorry, my brain. My brain. Ah, we're not to singularity yet. My brain beat Google. Um, <laughs> or did my brain beat Google because your finger couldn't and move? That's fast it. Like enough. I was sitting there typing. I was like. Ah. Chicago Cup. Yeah, it was very slow. Anyway, coffee, coffee in a cardboard cup, which they also excerpted. I forget what musical it's actually from, but they used it in their Candor and Ebb uh, uh, cabaret night. Wait, has Sam sung uh, World Goes Round. That's the name okay. of the show. World Goes Round. Has Sam, mm, Sam, Sam, my former student, Sam? Lover? I have no idea. I felt I thought I remembered him singing a song about coffee one time. It's an ensemble number oh, in World well, Goes never Round. Mind. Never mind. Um, I take it back. Yeah, it's an it's an ensemble number. Uh, anyway, so Sarah, I have a question for oh, you. Oh dear. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, vocal fam, we have a confession. We do. And an announcement. Yes. Before moving on. Okay. We have very much enjoyed. <laughs> So far, reading the <laughs> chapters that we've read of Rainer Plomp's The Intelligent Ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Perna needs a break because there are deadlines that have to be met right now. And oh. my brain is not sufficient to curate that text during an academic year. I feel that. We're ne- not saying that we're never going to come back and finish Plomp. We very well may. I want to, someday, someday we're going to talk about chapter three, mostly because I read it and that will not be in vain. That's fine. I'm not even sure really, like honestly, having read that chapter, not really sure what it's got to do with us, but just, That's I fine. Maybe we could hit that over someday. Christmas break sometime. Yeah, but not, not today. Uh, not next week. But I need, I've got a doctoral, I'm an external reviewer for a doctoral defense here in the next couple of weeks. I've got a faculty recital in a couple of weeks. And now Sarah and I are on a writing deadline in a, in a couple of yeah. months. So among, uh, among also having to do a conference presentation, hopefully, and starting to prep for other things yeah. and whatever and whatever and whatever. So we have a lot of responsibilities. Also, Sarah's teaching. I'm teaching. I'm tired. Tired. And Sarah's <laughs> tired. She's trying to tell you, vocal fam, she's tired. I am tired. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're just going to pause the plop. That's what we're going to say. It's a hiatus. It's like we're saying see you later. We're not saying bye. We're just saying... See you in a bit. S- we'll be back. See, see, in a, see you in a bit. Um, now, that leads me into my question. Yikes. So, Sarah, let's just say that we were asked the question... Just so that, that we can use this time to the best of our use of time. Okay. Let's hear it. Um. Let's start with the challenges. Of? Remember way back when you were a student? Yeah. <laughs> last remember year. How you, remember how you took acoustics with me like seven times? I did take acoustics with you a lot. <laughs> but it was good. Remember how it was good. Remember how it got different every time? It did. It changed. That's the thing. Like I never really minded because it was never really the same class. 
So Sarah's Sarah's been through um, the topic of resonance. Let's say the topic of resonance with me and uh, voice acoustics on multiple occasions. I have a journey. It has been uh, a, a journey. It has been. If you could look back over the years, Thanks. okay. If I said to you, what was the biggest challenge originally? Okay. Of of learn of just digging into the topic of the learning of the topic. Okay. What was the biggest What was the biggest challenge? Honestly, I think with the first go round, the hardest part is that like you can't just understand one like segment of it. I, I feel like you really need to have gone through it all before any of it fully makes sense. And yet, do we really ever get through all no. of the... I mean, like, and I'm talking, I'm talking, like, in the realm of, like, what the physicists oh, know. Oh, no, not at all. Et cetera, but I mean, et cetera, et cetera, You need, like, a basic knowledge of sort of all of the, these different kind of portions of it that you go through in a semester before it makes sense. Does that make sense? Like, you can't explain one area of acoustics without using other areas... But, like, to teach a class, you obviously have to start somewhere. And so, you know, the stuff you covered at the beginning of the semester, a lot of times, doesn't even make sense until the very end. And so, I guess that, that's, to me, that was, that is the hardest part. And that's what I always try to tell people, like, I know it seems super overwhelming. And even if you don't fully get it right now, like, it all of a sudden, as you learn more stuff, you're going to be like, Oh, now this from, you know, two months ago makes sense. So would you almost in that regard say that if you understand that once you have been introduced to a complete, maybe that's not the right word. Maybe just found the foundations of it. Okay, but let me say what I what, what I was going to say is it, okay, foundations of a particular model. Okay. Once you've been introduced to the entire model of voice resonance, you sort of at least then grasp that model. But it like took getting through the entire model until even the beginning of the model had any meaning. Yes. Yes. So it's sort of about getting at gaining application or meaning or things of this nature to the model. Yeah, I think that that that's probably a good way of putting it because it's just it's incomplete otherwise. Like it's just it's hard to teach any part of it and only talk about that part that you're supposed to be learning about. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next question. Okay. <laughs> what model have you found maybe, you know, if I want to ask that first or second, uh, let's go with it. What model, ha- meaning thinking of things, models like, Source filter theory as presented by Bozeman, source filter theory as presented by Miller, source filter theory as presented by McCoy, 
non-linear source filter theory as presented by Tietze or source filter theory presented by Tietze. Um, uh, m- introduction to psychoacoustic um, voice uh, uh, acoustic ideas as presented by Howell. Okay. What, what has been sort of the model that helped your teaching? Up at this point, I'm not saying it will never change in your life. I'm saying up to this point, what has been the one that maybe has had the most influence in your teaching? Mm, In my teaching so far, probably nonlinear source filter theory, just because I have found what with the issues I'm working most consistently with, with the age range I'm working with. I find that I use so many like semi-occluded vocal tract exercises and things like that with them that and those prove to be like my most effective tools non-linearly. Yeah. I th- I think that's um and yet that's not necessarily a direct impact from I mean in one sense it is, but that's not necessarily a direct impact of the resonance to the source that's an impact of eliminating the resonance in a way yeah yeah it's just what they need because otherwise it's so hard because keep in mind like i'm working with really young students and so it's really hard to get them outside of this like perceived it hmm, i'm trying to think how to word this it's hard to get them to understand a lot of times that like when I'm working with them, I'm trying to get them to make just some sounds that aren't necessarily how I'm expecting them to sing. And so mm-hmm. if I make them, you know, sing through a straw, they don't, they kind of lose the control. They, they lose the mm-hmm. ability to do anything except what I'm asking of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas even if I ask them to do like, cause I found that a V hum a lot of times works really well, but with some students, they try to force so much and you just can't even do that and make sound if I'm making you sing through a straw. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. How, I don't want to get off topic, but pause the topic for a minute. How do you best transition a student? Let's say you started with having them make noises just singing so you could hear their singing voice Mm -hmm. diagnostically you got to hear them you heard them sing a song etc and you did then move to some sovt type work what's the best way to transition them back to not using the sovt while maintaining the benefit do you ever think about that or or do you just go back to other exercises i've had to because with one like with a few of the people I've worked with I can just say like okay now I want you to do everything you just did but with words instead yeah. of whatever and that's worked with a few of them but then with some of them that really they're like but what do you and they tend to be the ones that are maybe honestly more like me where you kind of want to be in control and you feel like okay well what am I how am I supposed to do that and then I'm left like they ask and I'm like um well that's a great question <laughs> Well, they also could be ones who have less proprioceptive feedback. That that's probably a thing too. And sometimes, if they ask me that, I'll s- switch them to a different SOVT to see if they experience more change. If that makes sense. 
Sure. I don't know. It's it's also new with me that I feel like half the time I'm just kind of throwing darts at a board and like I'm just I don't know. I'm kind of figuring it out as I go, even though I know like I have a lot of head knowledge, obviously. But if there's still so much that when you start using this hands-on approach that it, you have to figure it out. And it varies so much from kid to kid. You know, like, I might have a great okay, so lesson with one and everything I tell them to do just works. And then this next one, it's just like every t- way I turn is a dead end. Absolutely. And I'm just trying to find that one path that really works for them. Well, I and I think there what you're describing, first of all, what you're describing is good teaching. Oh. I mean, in one sense, you're describing finding what works for the student, which in my book is paramount from everything. Um, but you're also describing particularly the idea that you think you're just throwing darts at a dartboard. Yeah. W- one, I think it's important to remember that you've got all new students right now. I do. Most of whom have never taken voice lessons. And they're very young. They are. Like, I mean, I'm mostly teaching middle schoolers. I have a few high school or adult. And you are a young teacher who, as you said, has a lot of head knowledge with some practical experience. But as I told you, you're going to get out there and you're going to have to earn your sea legs. Yeah, it's just, it's a new experience. It. And it's just funny the things that you never expect to be an issue that, like you said, when all of a sudden they're like, well, but how do I do what I did with words? And you're like, that's a great question. Because it's funny, mm. like, I, it's one of the things I've had to become aware of just because mostly the singer I am most used to working with is myself. But at this point, sure. I've been taking lessons for years I've been training my voice. I've become very familiar with my voice, my body, being aware of things. And so it's a it's almost a new experience to be with these people that when I say like, what did you experience? How did that feel? Did you sense anything? They're like, no. And so that's a thing is them not knowing what they're experiencing is, is sometimes difficult. And I, I feel like I'm- Big time. I almost feel like I'm walking this tightrope between- wanting to maybe give them some ideas of how they might experience, but also not like biasing. Like, I don't want to sit there and be like, yeah, well, when you do this, you should feel this in your forehead because that might not be what how they experience it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like this weird tightrope between helping them learn how to be aware of their body without just telling them what to do. Oh, it's so, there's so many things. And I like it. Sarah... Sarah, you had a pretty good voice pedagogy teacher. Right? No. What? Anyway. um, Yeah. uh, I was really proud of everything you just said right now. Um, (laughs) Glad. But if we could go back to our topic, we're talking about the idea of when you were were learning voice acoustics. Yikes, yes. What of of the multiple occurrences of the topic that we went through? Yes. Uh, what after you had been through a complete model yes and you saw me evolve the topic for you and it changed each time and it took on different you know i i i would i would do things a little differently every time what was the biggest change that helped 
your understanding or your practice? Hmm. That's a good question. I'd have to, I don't know, I'd honestly have to think about it a little bit. Because I was actually just thinking, just you know, because we're talking about all these different forms, that it's almost like different models have helped me at different, or just at least for myself singing, have helped me at different times, if that makes sense. And I wonder, like, the psychoacoustics model, would that have been something that was more helpful to freshman Sarah? Or did I need kind of the more... Yes. But yay, subjects. Yay, subjects. How's that going, recruitment and all that? Well, I, I started yesterday. Oh, so. so, yeah, about as well as one would expect. Yeah, that makes sense. We're at, we're at, we're at three, four people have talked to me, Ooh. something like that. So, I mean, anyway, uh, sorry, where were we? Uh, Models, your understanding, your practice. You were saying psychoacoustics did something for you. Oh, it did. Like, especially when I learned it, like, I, w- I think I was at a point in my personal kind of like voice journey or whatever that like that was kind of the net it it provided this new insight that allowed me to I think change some things in a good way with my singing personally was there something specific about that was it more the concepts that Dr. Hal presents about auditory roughness was it more the concepts that about absolute spectral tone color Both. Um, what, what? I mean you know we, we've talked a lot about how I freaked out about like going in and really looking at my voice and separating it out into the different um, that mine is so strong in that E area like so strong that I've kind of had to re-embrace the ooh in my voice among other, I don't know. It's it's the it's so, an ongoing. So journey. for our for our listeners, we're not actually talking about her vowel sounds. No. Sarah is talking about the spectral energy, probably f- uh, above three thousand hertz, where yeah. where the where the the quality of noise up there it resembles an e kind of noise or or something very brightly timbred and when she's talking about ooh she's talking about large and in part the fundamental frequency that she is singing that has more or less a tone color of something very warm round um ooey yes sound and so it just really kind of learning about that forced me to kind of reevaluate my voice and what i had become fairly complacent with and showed me that like it's almost like you know when people are trying to lose weight and they talk about hitting a plateau yeah i like i think maybe i kind of reached this point where like i was okay and like i i definitely had made progress and it wasn't like a complete plateau or anything but i think i felt pretty okay with where i was at and stuff but that model gave me a new way to look at my voice and realize there's so much more that I could be doing. But that's all mm-hmm. to do with just my own singing, really. Um, as far as teaching, I, granted... Or, 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 if I may, just overall understanding. That's, yeah. Changes that we made that helped your teaching or your overall understanding. I mean, it has everything I learned. It's just... Every, every new model is kind of just an, it's the same thing. Like when I said, like it gave me this new perspective into my voice, it's just a new perspective on how voices work in general. And so it's hard to say if one was like more effective than the other, because you know, it, it has to be said that even though you changed up the class, there still was a model that I learned first 
And then, you know, these other things just kind of built onto that. It wasn't like, okay, well, this year we started with this model. And so, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I already knew what I knew. And so it wasn't like, it was interesting to know what I had learned first and then watch, because, you know, every year, every time I took it, it was with a different class of people. And so it was interesting to see their responses to the different models of learning. and Which is interesting because everybody always does. There are common themes. Oh, yeah. Like, how the heck does do the vocal folds produce harmonics? Yes. Which we're not talking about right no, now. Because that's like a whole episode or two. Or, or arguments. Or arguments. Of- I mean, Can you imagine a conference panel where you just had certain individuals and you just said, harmonics. how does the voice create harmonics? How do? Can you imagine Can you imagine that hour, how that would go? It would be vocal fam. Let's just say you might not know at all what, what I'm talking about, but let's just say it would be... I don't know. It would be entertaining. I would pay it, it would be enter- to go enter- see it. Like, I don't know how much we would learn. It would be enter- It would be entertaining. But it would be entertaining. I, I imagine something slightly reminiscent of like Monday Night Wrestling. Like WWE yeah. style? Yeah. That would like, be fun. With voice pedagogy. I've always wanted to see like a WWEF like voice conference. Exactly. Just put them on that opposite sides of the ring and like let them go. Amazing. I think the closest I ever saw to that was the day that Ingo and, and Dr. Tizza and, and Dr. Miller sort exactly. of got into it one day at Voice Foundation. Exactly. I mean, and, and they weren't like trying to disrespect each other or anything. It was, it was very respectful. It's just... Sometimes, I can't decide. Sometimes that's better, but then sometimes that's almost cringier because you want to be like, oh my gosh, just like hit him with the chair, you know? <laughs> It just depends. Wasn't there. Don't know which well, one it was. but Because you, you know sometimes when you sit there and there's people and they're being like so polite, but also they're obviously like so, there's so much tension and so angry that you want to be like, one of y'all just needs to hit the other and we well, can all move on. As the classic SAS post goes, when you don't have anything nice to say, you ask it in the form of a question. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just... I mean, I don't want to be whatever. I was just wondering. And that's when you know, like, uh, this person, they got a problem. But anyway. Oh, goodness. Uh, so here's a question I, I have about, again, about the learning process. I think you see where I'm, 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 I'm the topic I, I'm I on see, right now. I see. I see. This is, this has been, I hadn't thought this in I know. About I wanted to see your, because I wanted to see your gut reactions. It's, yeah, I'm, that's what you're getting right now. Is Be, no, but but I think this is important because gut reactions to a question are gut reactions. That doesn't mean that that's the final thought. It's just I think having initial reactions to things sometimes is good. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Particularly good. when it's good. a in a format where it's like a podcast where you could go back and listen and take notes. Oh, oh gosh. About about topics that you might be working on that you might be working on all right all right (laughs) (laughs) uh what what were we oh yeah here's here's a question okay which did you feel was more enlightening the introduction of mada okay 
or the introduction of frequency filters within Voce Vista video? Mm. Um, personally, the frequency filters, just because with model, like, yes, you can demonstrate a lot of similar stuff. For those of you who don't know, Mata is the voice synthesizer that was written by Svanta Granqvist, available at Tolvan.com. Voce Vista Video Pro now includes frequency filters available from Sigit.com, S-Y-G-Y-T.com. But there is just something to be said about literally being able to take your own voice and, like, break it down into these different components and... A real human voice. A real human voice. There's just something that you can't quite match with a computer-generated sound. Even though the new voice generator in Voce Vista Video is also quite impressive. That is impressive. Well, and this thing, like, it definitely has benefits, and there are things you can do with it, but as far as, like, enlightening, groundbreaking for me... It was taking, you know, recordings of my voice, Leah's voice, your anybody's voice, recordings that, you know, we listen to off of YouTube and being able to just single out sound at a certain, in a certain frequency range or, you know, either having that one band or just taking that one band out, you know, like it was so interesting. I don't know. It's eye, it's eye opening. It's eye opening. It makes it real because it is. Well, and I think you're really onto something there. I think that the frequency filters have probably the biggest pedagogic application yeah. as a teacher because it can really retrain the way you hear. The way you hear, it, it's something to like, you can very quickly, if you wanted or needed to do this for some reason, I'm not saying this would be the best idea to do all the time, but to show your student like, this when you're hearing this sound this is what you're actually hearing like right here this is what you're like honing in on does that make sense sure well first they just need to uh, the students your age that are dealing with i mean they just need to hear themselves period oh yeah no they're, they're uh, nowhere near and them that. and the likelihood that there's probably so much lack of glottal closure in so many of them that there's so little high spectral energy that uh it's funny you say that I don't know if it's... Oh, but you have a bunch of belters, they, so no, say, never mind. They're all belting. The, That's different. I am actually really struggling to get them to sing in head voice. Like, I am having to teach them... Well, that's a different real issue. It is, and, but it's not one, like, I fully expected to walk in and be trying to teach some glottal closure, belting, not to be afraid of chest voice, but no. I am sitting there, and I am having to, like, really battle it out to get these these girls to kind of embrace head voice as a And here's good what sound. I would say. Here's what I would say about that. That is the more common theme that you will deal with in the full industry of American voice teaching. That's what you were accustomed to the culture that is here in Mississippi which was anti-belt, anti-chest. That's true. And so you you encountered a lot of voices that... Were very head-dominant, head-first. Yes. And that's just... And, and Vocal Fry would like to say, we would like singers to be able to make the full range... Well, and that's what I, I tell these... Of noises. That's what I tell these girls is I'm like, I love that this is the sound you like, but you need to be able to make 
all of the different sounds. Like all these. And. Sorry, go ahead, finish. Oh, just. I mean, I told them like not even just head and chest, but like, you know, if you're wanting to do music theater, like you need to be able to mix too. You need to be able to, you know, have access to all of these different styles and sounds. But not only do they need to, but I think you would agree with the statement that the more flexibility you have in the range of sounds that you can make, the more efficient many of your sounds get. Yes. Oh, yes. So much better. Well, and I'm just like, you're you're limiting yourself so much by saying that you only belt or you only sing like this because I was like, there just aren't that many songs that you at this current thing like can do if you're only going to belt. Exactly. So... Okay, well, I'm probably going to have more questions about the learning. Amazing. Oh, well, here, let me ask you one other thing. Be prepared next week. Ugh. In your learning experience, well, we're going to grill me a little Ha-ha! bit next week. The, 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 the teaching of Good. It's of your turn. Um, in your experience, was it easier? Because you've actually seen three different models in the teaching of this. And here's what I mean by models. One year, I taught you harmonics first. Mm -hmm. One year, I actually taught you the articulation of formants first. And one year, I taught you noise first. Okay. What different noises, you know, what the different effect of the psychoacoustic properties of the sound were first. Yes. Which of those did you find to be the most valuable or the easiest place to start? Personally, and I think a lot of this is variable person to person, um, I think I actually found formats first to be the most... Uh, the not, I'm not even going to say like... Mm, it just was a good starting point for me personally. I don't know. That that was the I- the idea of articulator shape, changing tube shape, and that 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 was there prior to harmonic sound radiating through the vocal track. Yes. If we're looking at source filter theory, I think because it it gave you the most like ground to start with, also that you're familiar with. Like, you know, I'm a we're all singers. And so I'm used to different articulator shapes and that affecting the way I sing. So then taking it this next step, saying that when I change my articulator shape, the reason that when I... Because like we're all used to modifying vowels, even before we know why modifying vowels really helps. And so it was an easy place to start to explain why that works. Or vocal fam, if you prefer the term vowel substitution, vowel modification, oh, yeah. vowel, mi- vowel, vowel migration, we don't really whatever care. Whatever your word we, choice is. Whatever your word choice as a teacher That's is, we're sure you're me. wonderful. We're sure you're wonderful at it. One of Vocal Fry's basic policies is we will not allow ourselves to be caught up on words. No, as long as you un- like, it, as long as you understand what I'm saying, like as long as we have an understanding, then we're good. Words, 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 words. I'm so sick of words. I get words all day through, first from him, now from you. Is that all you blighters can do? Bum, 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 Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, no, I know where that's from. Okay. My Fair Lady. Or what? My Fair Lady. Yeah, okay, good. I said that. I was like, that's where it's from, right? Right? Learner and low, My Fair Lady. Yeah, but 
that that for me was probably the easiest starting point. I do think it just kind of varies just because, you know, each approach is sort of like a different section, a different segment. Like, I don't know if it, depending on the way your brain works, I think different starting points might be easier for different people. I that that's probably true that does make it difficult for a classroom teacher to decide where where to start start. and so this is an important note for us to make is this idea is that different learning styles may facilitate different ideas here I liked formats it's it's very math based very kind of a logical like if this then this but I would argue that for someone like our dear friend Michael I think that the thing that probably would have been the most beneficial for him would have been noise. Yes, 100%, because he he processes things so much that way, I think, based on just right. taking and, and he and, and he can hear noises and go, oh, I know what that sounds like. And it's a lot harder. Like, I, I have to really work to hear different things. Uh, like, in my hearing and my ability to hear different things in sound varies honestly from day to day. Like if I'm a little stuffed up in the head, I may not hear what you're asking me to listen for. Like that, that's something I struggled with through both degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. this has been, this has been lovely. Uh, I, we need to transition here quickly cause we're going to run out of time. My goodness gracious. Oh, what a wonderful conversation. Yeah, um, um, more fun for some of us than others. Vocal, vocal, vocal fry is back. We had so there's two issues, both dealing with Matt Smith that I want to get to today. Okay. 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 Matt Matt Smith has been highly rumored to have some role in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Think how cool that would be. He has up to this point denied that. Well, after he confirmed it. Yeah. You so know, he most said you yes. Wonder, like, did he confirm? And then they were like, "Hey." You can't be confirming that. And then he was like, oh, it was was joke. (laughs) So given that physically he's a pretty gifted actor. Yes. Body movement wise. If we remember his performance as the doctor, as the 11th doctor, his performance as Skynet, essentially, in Terminator Uh, Genesis. um, He's a very versatile physical actor. His performance as Prince Philip in in The the Crown. Crown. I mean... Honestly, that because I didn't see the Terminator, but just watching him in the crown, like I was like, who? So there is a theory on Reddit that seems to be gaining some traction okay. with Senior Smith that the reason we've not... Because who have we heard in the trailers but not seen? Palpatine. Palpatine. Are, we, are they thinking... In both trailers yeah yeah they are thinking that there's a theory going around that either matt smith has been his body okay has been taken over yeah by sidious okay that that could be good uh there was a theory earlier that he was going to play sidious in a flashback which would have been good are you sidious or palpatine uh oh wait darth sidious is his is his darth name right I'm dumb. Yes. I'm dumb. Sorry. Oh, sorry. But that was a good note. That was a good note for the not quite as deep Ooh. Star Wars fan vocal fam. Ooh, that that got um, me for d- a minute. Oh dear. That's Ian McDermott is both Yikes. the Emperor, Emperor Palpatine, Senator Palpatine, Senator Sheev Palpatine, and Darth Sidious. That's my bad. 
Those are all names he has referenced in in the movies so far. But there's a rumor floating around that he even could be maybe some type of clone body that the Emperor had made for himself. Ooh, yeah, something like, of this. what if it's like a clone of his younger self? Cause like, because what if clones are really such a centric point to this movie? Okay, that's back to your Ray thing. So, uh. I don't know. We're just hearing a lot about clones. We're still making Clone Wars the show. We're just hearing lots about clones. Okay. Now, one thing I'll say about Rise of Skywalker before we leave this theory okay. that I wanted to share with the vocal fam that I didn't, okay. and we can expand upon this at a later date. I have this theory because do you remember the rumors that uh, Anakin himself, uh, Hayden Christensen, was still centric to the Star Wars universe? Yeah. That was like a that while That was a back. while ago. That was like, like a minute ago. Like before Last Jedi. That's what I was going to say. I feel like it was before that. Because he said on Twitter that the Star Wars universe was very centric to his life. Yeah. So what if what we're really leading up to is while Kylo and Rey fight it out. Okay. What if at the same time since Force Ghosts a la Yoda in The Last Jedi can clearly influence the real world where he brought lightning out of a cloud. Okay. What if in the old Death Star ruins, in the climactic scene, we don't just get a Rey-Kylo fight. There's like ghosts. Sith and Jedi Force ghosts. And Anakin has to fight Darth Vader. Oh. That his soul was split I, because Darth Vader's voice is there in the trailer. Yeah, I hadn't even... But what if the reason there hadn't been balance brought to the Force was because Anakin and Vader hadn't yet been resolved? Interesting. And so Palpatine has to go up against Yoda again. Ewan McGregor comes back and goes up against Darth Maul again. That could be really and cool. They, or, or the other theory I have along these lines is, or there's an entire army of Rey clones. World's not ready for that. And Rey and Kylo have to defeat this entire army of Rey clones and Sidious. And they do it with Force Ghost Jedi. That could be cool. I don't. I. Just, I don't know. I don't know. But this is getting a little trippy. As in Mark Hamill, who we know is in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think Force Ghosts will play a part. I realize this is the point where Michael goes, Perna. This feels like one of those fanfic things. It, I mean, it, that's the thing. Like, it, that's a that's getting a little convoluted for my. I'm a little taste. deep. I, I realize I'm a little deep right it, now. That's a little. That's a little far. Someone out there has probably made a like 42 chapter, 500 thousand word fanfic expounding on that, but I'm not probably. gonna read it. And it probably involves some very strange, weird things as well. Yep. Very thirsty. I believe is the term the kids are using yep. these days. As I said, uh, I don't read those fanfics. Anyway, um, then there's one other theory, uh, not about Star Wars. We just heard a rumor this morning 
on We Got This Covered, so I'll cite the source. We Got This Covered has reported that there is a rumor floating around the Doctor Strange 2 sequel, Doctor Strange in the in the Multiverse of Madness. We we've we're pretty much heard confirmed that Nightmare will be the main villain. But we have not heard official casting news for Nightmare the character. And there was a rumor floating around previously that Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor himself, was in consideration for being cast as Nightmare. Which would be cool. Which would be great. But today... But even better. This day, the 13th of September, 2019, there is a rumor floating around the interwebs that none other than the 10th Doctor himself, who Sarah got to meet just... I did get to meet Two him. short weeks ago. Have I mentioned that yet? That David Tennant himself could be cast as Nightmare. I think it could. If David Tennant gets cast as Nightmare, I'll it def- will be horrifying. Oh, it'll be horrifying because he is so good at playing like psychological villains. It will be horrifying. It will be amazing. I mean. As I've already said, like, in the past I've said, oh, I'm not going to be able to go see this on the, like, opening night because I can't... Oh, if Tenet is Nightmare, you're going. But if they're both in it... If Cumbersnatch and... Wait, that's wrong. Bumblebee What's the name? Cucu- Cucumber Patch. Cucum- Cucumber Patch. No, that's wrong. Baby Cakes um, Cookie Crumble. You can just say... Uh, all that being the guy said, who looks like an otter. All that being said, honestly, if they're both in it... I may not be able to go see it just because, I don't know, I might, like, scream the whole time or something obnoxious. You know? Like, I may have to stay home just because I would be a terror to go see this movie with. Like, I don't know. I was already planning that May of 2021 was a very anticipated date for this this podcast because of the release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But if it's Benedict Cumberbatch going up against Nightmare, if it is the Sorcerer Supreme... Going up against Nightmare of David Tennant, I, I, I don't even know who I want to win. Like that, honestly, I, I don't even know. Honestly, that would be. I don't even know. That would be epic. Oh my gosh, I would watch that movie so much. Um. Well. So, much. so th- th- there's your pop culture rumors for this week. By the way, Vocal Fry has a recommendation to not watch. Um. Uh. We watched, well, we burned through season one of uh, the Jack Ryan Amazon show oh, this week. Oh, how was that? It's fine. Okay. It's a Jack Ryan spy show. It's it's very serious centric, you know, yeah. Jack Ryan normally taking on whoever, wherever in the world terrorists are oh, these days. Uh, it's a little campy and predictable in the first episode. After that, it gets better. Um but uh, I mean, it's it's fine. It's it's watchable. Yeah. I mean, season two comes out soon. It's 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 watchable. Um, we'll probably watch the second season. But last night, we okay. tried the new Netflix release called The Island. The I hyphen land. I I saw that. I I mean, I saw okay. it on Netflix. This show is clearly Westworld meets Lost. Okay, it's basically Westworld except on a random scary island. Of course. Where there also happens to be like a corporation that like owns the island and all these clues about the island and this, that, and the other. I mean, it is like literally like the writers of Westworld would have been like, hey, we should make a show like ours. It just make it like Lost. lost. 
Interesting. But the worst part was that the writing, the dialogue writing in this show. Is it just bad? It was like a four-year-old wrote it. it. It was like, we should go look in those trees over there. <laughs> so what do you say? This waterfall, we just keep it to ourselves? <laughs> what do you think? And then they started to make out. <laughs> it was like, that has what been. am I watching? My issue, like, there are some good Netflix shows, good Netflix movies. I mean, uh, ob- obviously Stranger, Stranger Things. But a lot of Netflix shows, they're just not good. And movies too, oh, like man. they're just they're just bad. The writing is bad. Man, man. I man, this, this is this is. I this week I'd forgotten that I hadn't finished Voltron, and so I went back and started watching it again. What? I know. I made where it, are you? Where are you? I made it to season three, and apparently that's when I stopped. <gasps> and so oh, it I think so it's because I got that. to. It's like, I was so watching good. it, and then the end of my master's hit, and, oh like, my God. I had to resort to watching the cooking shows. Season five? I'm not there. Oh, my gosh. The whole... Well, you know who this character is already, so I'm just going to say this. The entire Lotor story arc Ooh. is bananas. Well, like, so I actually... It is bananas. I just watched the origin story... For how Zarkon and Hagar kind of got to, oh my god, like their corruption. Oh, just wait. That was amazing. I was like, that is such a good backstory. Oh, just wait. There is stuff in seasons five, six, and seven that is super trippy. I mean, super duper trippy. I'm super. And it is a kids show. That's my thing. But as I've said in the podcast before, I think Voltron. It's good. Is a plus, a plus. Honestly, I think it would have been too intense for me as a child, but adult Sarah, my loves kids it. loved it. My kids loved I it, the mean, whole thing. It's great. I I am really glad that I kind of picked it back up because it's good. So, yay! Yes, I'm glad you picked it back up too. I, yeah, it's been because Voltron is worth it's watching. It's a good show. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Well, this has been wonderful, Sarah. Yeah. This has been sort of a highlight of my week. It's been Same. it's been busy. Same. It's been busy, you know. Podcasting it's not, is it's good not been for the it's story. not been it's not been bad. It's just been this week's been busy. I understand that. I feel that. Yeah. And podcasting is good for the soul. It is. Vocal fam, we hope this has been good for your soul too. We hope that we're bringing peace, love and light into your, and joy into your world, maybe even some hope. One can hope. Uh, and uh and uh, that there's my takeaway. Oh, those takeaways, right? Remember when we do takeaways? Uh, Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? What did Sarah have for breakfast? <laughs> I made, well, so I had some lemon poppy seed muffins, but I was feeling wild, and so I put some blueberries in them. Oh, look out now. I know, I'm living the crazy fresh, life. Fresh, fresh blueberries or frozen blueberries? They were frozen blueberries. Yeah, that's probably the best. Yeah. Uh, Consistency. What can you do? I, I just kind of like was making them, and like my mom and aunt are visiting. Ah, Sarah. What? Uh-huh. Oh, I had lost you, but we the vocal fam got it, but I had lost you. Keep going. Oh, well, like my mom and aunt are visiting, and so I was making these muffins, and I was like, I need to spice these up. Can't just be making ordinary lemon poppy seed muffins. And then I saw the blueberries in the fridge, and I was like, yeah, all right. That, that can't be bad. Lemon, good. Blueberries, good. Poppy seeds, good. Yeah, it was pretty good. So Awesome. Yay, breakfast. Sounds great. 
Yay, There's no chocolate. Breakfast. What is the world okay. coming to? M- m- milestone week, vocal fam. Milestone there week. Was uh, no uh, chocolate there we in have my it. breakfast today. All right. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Great. Uh, next week, vocal fam, expect some of the teaching of voice acoustics. Uh, <laughs> as Sarah and I are working on something. Um, not that you could tell. And hopefully next week we'll have some announcements that we can officially make. We can't I make know. it yet. So hopefully in the coming soon people will have something. Okay. So that, that's it for this week. Uh, let's sign, let's, let's, let's kill it, Sarah. Here we go. Ready? And.